So I know that James is with us, and welcome, James Heddle. And I'm not sure if Mary Beth uh, Brangan is with us, but James, yes, welcome. Oh, thank you, Ellen. Thank you so much. I, I am with you. I'm with Jim. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> we're are. We're both here. Uh, and thank you so much for having us on. And we're really looking forward to the national screening mm -hmm. of the documentary, which is the um, articulation of the third part of the nuclear problem, really. We've got the war, the weapons, we've got the power and then we've got the waste issue. And what we're focused on is the waste. SOS, the San Onofre syndrome, uh, nuclear powers legacy is what our film is about. And we cover the um, story of San Onofre in uh, Southern California that has, it's a, a, a an, microcosm of what the problems are all over the country we've where we have piling up canisters thin canisters that won't last very long at all filled with nuclear waste that's going to be lasting millions of years and so these are weapons in place all over the country and uh need to be dealt with um, Jim, do you want to say anything more about that? Well, this is a local story with global implications, and it's also a peon to the power of people power. Uh, we we trace the uh, involvement of what Eisenhower called an informed and vigilant public, uh, how action based on this vigilance and awareness can actually have an impact on City Hall. And... Uh, we think it's both encouraging and uh, uh, a distress signal for a situation that faces it all, but is not much discussed or in public awareness. And so we're hoping that this will start the dialogue on a very undiscussed, but existentially important issue. Right. So there's tons of this all over the country, just sitting there um, in corroded temporary canisters. Um, so, and we we actually um, want to say there is a, a temporary solution anyway, a, a stopgap solution that we are advocating for in the film. So please do watch it. Come to our premiere, which will, uh, if anybody in the LA area, it's going to be um, at the Regal Theater in downtown LA, Sunday, October 8th at 7.30. I've put the link in um, the chat to uh, buy tickets. And we'll also be having a virtual premiere uh, the following Sunday uh, where everybody can uh, join, watch wherever you are. And you can also buy tickets uh, through that film festival, um, the Awareness Film Festival is uh, where we'll be screening the first night in um, October 8th. This is um, the launch of a, a nationwide campaign that's being uh, organized by the wonderful women at Mocha Media. And uh, we hope everyone will join because we're going to aim at having local screenings in reactor communities and concerned communities all around the country. 
and uh, we're hoping for a wide participation in this ongoing campaign. Thank you. Well, thank you. And hold on just one second before we go to Harvey and Linda. I've added the website. And um, Mary Beth, if it's possible, could you add the links that you added to the chat again right now? Because I, I was okay. I will. I will do that. Um, it'll take me a second, but I'll do that. Okay, so everybody. Hi, Linda. <laughs> hey, hi. Everybody, everybody, look out for that. And you know, I've, I've been a longtime associate and very close associate of uh, Lisa Smith Line. And so, um, you know, the, what Lisa does for films and what she's worked on and really sort of trailblazed as a process um, is sort of like to have these great documentary films have this sort of educational component that also draws people into the activism that is being practiced by the people who are featured in the films. So we'll be bringing that forward, of course, as part of the San Onofre Syndrome when we have the virtual screening for PDA. But I also wanted to say this about this particular film. I think you've actually hit a very important moment because of this kind of charm offensive that's occurring around nuclear power right now. And I can't remember the name of the guy, but he's a prominent uh, guest on talk shows. Michael, uh, he has a long last name beginning with S. Stacekoff. Yeah, and he's on show after show after show. And there are people who are on the progressive left who have been seduced by this, including the, you know, the founding editor of Jacobin Magazine, who's a friend of mine. We differ on this issue. Yeah, that's right, Myla. And so, look, it's very important. This this aspect and the focus of this, I mean, this was so big in our culture in the late 1970s and early 80s. You look at the film a little later, like Aaron Brockovich, um, you know, citizen activism to protect communities against this level of toxicity. And uh, I think it's a essential component to uh, what we are going to try to be advocating for when we advocate for renewable energy, safe energy, and uh, as we get ourselves uh, on a pathway to dealing with what we've done to the global climate by uh, getting rid of these toxic forms of energy. So thank you so much. And uh, James and Mary Beth, we look forward to being in touch with you and working with you in the coming months for your film. Thank you so much. Thank you again for having us. Thank you. And, um, and now we have two more guests. And um, I think Harvey, when I last spoke to you, I didn't, you didn't know that uh, we were gonna have James and Mary Beth on before. Um, but um, they're my buds. Yeah, long time, long time. Really? <laughs> many, many issues. <laughs> and um, yeah, Harvey Wasserman is, is he's not just, of course, the um, one of the people who put on the great no nukes event in Madison Square Garden back in whatever that was, 79 or 80. Um, 1879. He, yeah, there we go. Right. And um, um, he's he has been alive many centuries and um, uh, he's the author of incredible books. Uh, he's been a, a great uh, national advocate, uh, famously, really, uh, very famously on, on, on two fronts, one for uh, that we actually have elections where the votes are counted, and therefore the people get to decide who the, their representatives are in our system of government, uh, a great activist on that front, and then, of course, uh, the work against uh, the nuclear power industry. Um, and also joining him is Linda Seeley, who is a uh, at least uh, I have been telling people, and I think she's much more than this, but is the vice president of Mothers for Peace. So Harvey, let us know what's on your mind right now. I know that Diablo Canyon in California is a focal point of your work around trying to get this one power plant shut down. Um, and uh, and then, you know, after maybe your, your opening thoughts, we'll go to Linda for her opening thoughts, and then we'll have a dialogue with the audience. Well, uh, uh, thank you so much, Alan. I think the people who advocate for nuclear power 
see this kind of magical unicorn running across the field and we're like the hunter and Bambi. But, uh, you know, the reality is that there are 94 reactors in the United States, 93 operating, one about to come online in a year in Georgia. And each one of them is its own issue. Uh, every reactor in this country is, is a pageant of, of complete incompetence and dishonesty. And the number one in the country right now is Diablo Canyon. <clears throat> there was a beautiful deal shut, cut in, 19, in 2016 uh, with the governor, the lieutenant governor, the CPUC, the assembly, the unions, the local governments, the environmental groups to shut the two reactors at Diablo Canyon, which are surrounded by earthquake faults. And we have a plan to phase out the workers and get them retrained, beautiful labor issues taken care of. We have a plan to phase in uh, renewable energies, which is working beautifully, even though the state of California is trying to kill solar energy, which is quite amazing. And it was all laid out perfectly, exactly the way it should be. Um, although the reactors were allowed to operate a little longer than we wanted. And Gavin Newsom out of the blue came in last year and stabbed us all in the back and decided to keep these two reactors going. Now these reactors are critical because we, as I say, we have not, um, uh, 94 reactors in the country uh, online or about to, the average age of the American reactor is 40 years old. When you uh, hear someone say they're in favor of nuclear power, you say, which reactor are you in favor of? Because they're all about to collapse. They're all falling to pieces. They are unconscionably dangerous. So we had this issue. I had a piece about it in Counterpunch, Counterpunch uh, last Monday, and we are about to now do everything we possibly can with the Mothers for Peace, which is a great 50-year-old organization to shut these two reactors and to convert California to 100% renewables. And I wanna point out that Germany, which shut its last reactor this year, is now getting more than 51% of its energy from renewables. And they are on target to go, uh, this is the world's fourth largest economy. California is the world's fifth largest economy. And it, so Germany is on target to go 100% renewable by 2030, and California could easily do the same if we shut these two reactors, which are surrounded by earthquake faults, falling apart, embrittled, cracked, incompetent management, you name it. This is the fight of our lives. Thank you so much, Harvey. And, um, and uh, Linda Seeley, the floor is yours. Thank Welcome. you. Glad to be here today. Um, Mothers for Peace has been fighting Diablo Canyon since 1973. We are, um, <clears throat> what we do is legal challenges. Um, and currently we have four, no, three uh, legal cases going. When, uh, thanks Harvey for the background too um, on, on Diablo. Um, when, PG&E decided to um, ask for a renewal of their operating license. Um, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission gave them a free pass. There's a rule at the, the NRC that says, if you're gonna apply for an extended license, you have to apply for it at least five years before the end of the current license. 
And because of this swift turnaround with Gavin Newsom and the state legislature that happened last year, pulling the rug out from under all of us, um, PG&E is going to have exactly 10 months from the time that the unit one reactor is scheduled to shut down and for the NRC to review its license application. The license application review is one that takes years to do. And the NRC has given PG&E a free pass on this. So we've challenged uh, the NRC and now we're in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and that appeal will be heard probably the first week of January of 24. The second thing we're doing right now is that we're involved in the um, case at the Public Utilities Commission because the PUC is the one that is, because as you probably all know, or maybe you don't, um, the deal with, for keeping Diablo Canyon open is, was a very sweet one for PG&E. They're getting a $1.4 billion forgivable loan from the you and me, from the taxpayers and the ratepayers in California. And they're getting a $1.1 billion grant from the US Department of Energy to keep this ancient, cracking, dangerous nuclear power plant going. So the PUC though has to decide whether or not it's prudent to keep this plant running and whether or not it um, is safe to keep the plant running. And so we've challenged them on several different issues at the PUC, one being the seismic integrity of the plant, uh, another being um, the prudence of spending all that money on it when they could use $1.4 billion to buy a hell of a lot of solar energy for every single uh, rooftop in California, for one thing, and battery storage too. Um, and, and then um, also the fact that we don't need the power from Diablo Canyon. Because, and this is uh, Gavin Newsom's big thing. Oh, if we don't have Diablo Canyon, we're going to have blackouts. It's completely untrue. And we have an expert witness, so you can look up his testimony at the CPUC, who, uh, uh, you know, ha proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that we do not need Diablo Canyon. In fact, it impedes the entrance of renewables onto the grid because it takes up um, 2,200 um, uh, megawatts on the grid. So we're we're doing that and we're pushing at the PUC to, to hold the money back from Diablo Canyon. The third thing we're doing is that we have sent uh, an emergency petition to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And I just heard from our lawyer that they're gonna reply to us uh, tomorrow. Um, and this, this emergency petition is about the reactor vessel of Unit 1. Um, the Unit 1 reactor vessel was manufactured in 1967. It's under extreme, all, well, all nuclear power plants run like this. The, the reactor vessels are under extreme pressure, extreme heat, and extreme radiation. And those three things together over years and years and years in the 
uh, metals that they use to create these things, especially the Unit 1 reactor vessel at Diablo Canyon, because it was manufactured in 1967 before they understood as much as they do now about metallurgy. And we have discovered that the Unit 1 reactor vessel is brittle. And what that means is it's running along at a you know high temperature with all this pressure and all this radiation going. And if, God forbid, there should be an emergency, say there's um, an earthquake. I want to get back to earthquakes too after this. Um, say there's an earthquake and they have to shut it down fast. The way they shut it down is by pouring cold water into the vessel to stop the, the chain reaction of, of the um, uh, neutrons. And if that should happen, there is a very big chance that that reactor vessel could shatter into a million pieces. And there's no backup safety system for a reactor vessel. There is nothing between that reactor vessel and the biosphere to protect anything. And so we have asked them to, the, on <clears throat> right around October 1st, the unit one reactor vessel is going to be taken down for maintenance called a refueling outage. And we, our petition says that number one, we have to, the, the NRC may not allow that reactor to start up again until they can check the uh, embrittlement of the reactor vessel itself. And they can do that by testing uh, little bits of the metals that uh, the reactor vessel is made of, which they put purposely into the reactor vessel when it's being manufactured for this express purpose of pulling a little piece of that reactor, of that metal out and testing it for embrittlement. They have not tested the unit one reactor vessel since 2003. For 20 years, or 2002, 21 years, they have not checked it. They're obligated to check it every 10 years, but they have asked for and received exemptions for testing the, react, the metal in the reactor. So it is an extremely dangerous situation that we're in right now. And if that reactor vessel blows, Southern California is right, it's right. in the wind or whatever you call that. So is, um, so is the Central Valley with all the uh, produce. And so is the Bay Area because the wind will eventually shift up to the Bay Area too. And so the, got yeah. all of California at, uh, at risk from this one nuclear plant that we don't need. And, and we don't need it. So uh, uh, I want to anyway. add with Alan that we are we have a full-on campaign. And, and my, uh, uh, Linda is fantastic. Um, uh, Linda's been on the case uh, even longer than I have. Um, uh, but it, it, um, we have a chance. We're circulating a petition in California. Go to mothersforpeace.org, mothersforpeace.org and sign our petition and join in. This is a last ditch effort. And the industry knows that if we win this, it will put a big damper on the rest of the industry in the United States. Because all the reactors in the United States 
except for two or three, uh, are now 40 years old. We've had an instance now in Michigan where they shut the, we shut the reactor, the anti-nuke movement shut the Palisades reactor, uh, which is ridiculously dangerous on the shores of Lake Michigan. Um, and now they're trying to reopen it. And, and it's all because the fossil fuel and nuclear industry, what I call King Kong, coal, oil, nukes, and gas, is desperately afraid of renewable energy because renewable energy is a form of social democracy. Uh, you know, so, solar panels on rooftops represent the ultimate decentralization and public control of renewable, uh, of our energy supply, which is at the core of our being. The reality is in California, we get way more electricity from solar rooftops than we do from Diablo Canyon. And we have, there are 70, 70,000 people working in the solar rooftop installation industry in California versus 1,500 at Diablo Canyon. That's why the unions supported the phase out of, of Diablo Canyon, it's outrageous. And one other thing you have to remember, there is no separation between the nuclear power industry and the nuclear weapons industry. One of the reasons that nuclear power plants are being held onto with such a firm grip by the corporations is that the nuclear weapons industry relies on the nuclear power industry for supplies of uranium and for trained personnel, and also to make their technology look good. Remember, this is an industry that promised electricity too cheap to meter, and it's now it's the most expensive form of energy we've ever known. So this fight at Diablo Canyon and at your local nukes, if you're not in California, is a very big deal. <clears throat> so go to mothersforpeace.org and support us, please. Um, Linda, any thoughts on what Harvey said? Yeah, <clears throat> I wanna go back for a minute to those seismic issues at Diablo Canyon. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, Mothers for Peace, we have been questioning the seismic evaluations that PG&E has done. And they're saying now with the new uh, license application that they don't need to do any updated seismic studies. We have an expert from UCLA, Peter Bird, um, who is one of the people who contributed, he was a major contributor to the this um, uh, <clears throat> coastal seismology project through the USGS, he says on, in his evaluation that there are two uh, thrust faults under right under Diablo Canyon. And what a thrust fault is, is one that goes up rather than across. And if you have a thrust fault under a nuclear power plant, it is, you don't even need a very big um, earthquake to, to take down the plant because of the tremendous, especially if it's a shallow earthquake, the tremendous amount of damage that a shallow thrust fault can cause. And they have not evaluated this, these two particular faults. And that's another part of our case at the PUC. And one last thing everybody should understand, of the 94 reactors in the United States, zero, not one of them has private liability insurance. So, and everybody, every homeowner policy in this country has a clause that exempts 
the owners of nuclear power plants from liability if they destroy your home and your family with radioactive fallout from a nuclear plant that's exploded. Zero insurance. You can't drive a car in California without insurance or most other states. But the, and the, the, the nuclear industry has considered itself above the law since at least 1954 with the, uh, with the uh, Atomic Energy Act. So this is a real test now. Can't, and one other thing to remember, and I always got to point this out, people, when they go up against a nuclear plant, they have a sense of futility because they're so big. The reality is in 1974, when we started the no nukes movement and we coined the phrase no nukes, Richard Nixon said that there will be a thousand nuclear reactors in the United States by the year 2000. In the year 2000, there were 104. And now we're down to 94, which is way too many. But we have the anti-nuclear movement has stopped some 900 reactors in this country. God help us if you think there were a thousand reactors in this country. So we can win at Diablo and we have no choice. So let's do it, everybody. Go to Mother's for Peace. Now or never. If they get the operating license to go on for 20 more years at Diablo Canyon, and the NRC will give them that. There's no doubt about that. Our state legislature could turn around as fast as they did last August and say, you can keep that nuclear plant online um, for another 10 20, or 20 years. It is absurd. We don't need it. It's dangerous. It's, they need to stop the possibility of ever having um, nuclear power in California anymore. And there's nowhere for the waste to go. And they keep making more of it. And it's insane. That's it. <laughs> um, so we got uh, three questions. Uh, I think Peter was first, then Milo, then Mimi. Um, but I do know that, Harvey, when we spoke the other day, you had said that you, of course, wanted to speak on what you have you and Linda both spoke on, but also a little bit about um, the necessity of progressives um, sort of amplifying further their advocacy for renewable energy and um, you know, the ways to build up um, the percent of the energy that is used in the United States that is renewable. And there are you know, specific sort of points of the development of renewable energy where things are backed up and you know, to get organizations like PDA behind advocating for clearing the way to take things like nuclear power plants off of being online, adding more renewable energy sometimes, which is already built, but has not been uh, put into the grids or connected up to the grids. What, what do you want to add on all of that, Harvey? Well, we have to remember that uh, the, the success of renewable energy, of wind, solar, batteries, batteries, by the way, are on the brink of a major breakthrough moving from lithium to sodium. Um, uh, the, the whole renewable energy industry has been one of the great technological successes in human history. It has consistently surpassed expectations. And we have now the industry, the King Kong, the, the, the solar, um, I'm sorry, the fossil nuclear industry throwing everything they can throw at renewable energy to slow it down. And we have, it's still booming ahead. It is still the most uh, rapidly expanding energy source on the planet. We have got to turn this corner and progressives have got to understand you can't be in favor of nuclear power without dealing with the individual reactors. 
There are 400 plus individual reactors all over the world. Every one of them is different. France, which has 56 reactors, is importing energy from Germany, which has none. <laughs> you know, come on. Uh, so every single reactor is an apocalypse waiting to happen and they have to be shut. And thank goodness we have the alternatives. The no nukes movement is responsible for giving birth to the renewable energy industry that is the number one benign growth industry on this planet. And, and that is something that progressives need to take uh, 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 pride in. And, and nuclear power is a completely reactionary, centralized, corporate, military source of power. They've got to be shut down. Yeah, and then it produces the most powerful toxins that we we uh, are involved in creating and shipping around and dealing with, right? As, as, Absolutely. As we, yeah. There's nothing worse than plutonium. Nothing. Um, Thank you. Um, uh, and uh, now, Peter, a question for a question or comment for Harvey and Linda. Peter Deutsch. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is more of a comment. I live about 15 miles from what may be the first nuclear power reactor in the country, this or the site of it. Admiral Rickover put it in in right. southwestern Pennsylvania. But uh, I've been trying to move away from that myself. Uh, with using uh, wind and solar energy with uh, clean energy, clean choice energy, but I also have seven about 63 uh, square meter solar panels on my roof. And that's great, but one of the inverters, there are two inverters on it, and one of them went down, and I'm trying to get it back up. I'm working with the private company to do it, but uh, can I come to you for help if that's a problem? One problem I see is that uh, they may not be able to do anything about it because it comes from a Chinese company, but we're trying. Well, contact that's me and I'll put, there's a guy named Brian Leonard that we work with who knows the industry inside and out and email me at solartopia at gmail. S-O-L-A-R-T-O-P-I-A at gmail.com. And I'll put you in touch with Ron Leonard. Okay, thanks. I'll try to put that in my notes. Solartopia.com. Okay, so, so yeah, well, it's, it's solartopia.org is my website. And solartopia at gmail is my, my email. All right, I'll try to remember that. Thank you. Um, thank you. And um, uh, thank you, Peter. And thank you, uh, Harvey. And I uh, was uh, had the pleasure of getting to march alongside and uh, Ron Leonard at the climate march in New York City last week and uh, talk with him. And uh, yes, he has uh, great contributions to make and can provide great guidance uh, for PDA in terms of understanding the industry, the renewable energy issues and the blockages about getting uh, renewable energy fully online. Um, and again, there's a big push, as people know, among climate activists, obviously no, no climate activist in the country is more high profile than Bill, Clip, Bill, Bill McKibben. And he is of course a huge activist, sorry, huge advocate for renewable energies, getting the renewable energy uh, to completely dominate uh, the sources for uh, our energy on the grid, eliminating coal, eliminating fossil fuels, eliminating nuclear. And then as he says, electrify everything. Myla Reason, you're up. Go ahead, Myra. 
I just had to unmute, I'm eager to do so. Alan, thank you so much. And thanks to everyone at PDA for making this extraordinary uh, meeting possible. And um, I, I, it's just so wonderful to see so many of my dear friends here, Linda Seeley, Mary Beth and Jim and Harvey and many more. And um, I, I, I was reminded by Jim and I've been thinking a lot about how the film San Onofre uh, Syndrome really shows us that it's possible that we can win when the people get together and work together to, uh, to to accomplish something. We managed to keep Edison from restarting the very, their very dangerous San Onofre nuclear power plant. And we collectively are going to succeed in finally getting Diablo shut. And, um, and I have been spamming the chat with the uh, Mothers for Peace uh, petition, the link to the petition. And I hope that you will all please, please, please sign it and share it as broadly as you possibly can. And Linda, I have, I just have a question for you. It's just simple. Um, you had uh, in another meeting posted a, uh, a link to a wonderful uh, news article about Diablo and I managed to lose it. And I was wondering <laughs> By any chance, you could post it in the chat here. And right. thanks, thanks to everybody. And I'll, there are a lot of questions, so I'm not going to hog the mic any more than I already have. Thank you. Um, thank you. Um, and uh, why don't we go to um, Mimi right now? And then after Mimi uh, has her question or comment for Harvey and Linda, then we'll go back to Harvey and Linda. Mimi, you're up. Thank you, Alan. Thanks, everybody. What a great presentation. Um, the lady earlier. Uh, thank you right now. Uh, good to see you, Sluggo. Um, I'm afraid I just, it's just a detailed question. And thank you for asking for that article, article Mila. That'll be very interesting. Um, how often are these nuclear power plants supposed to be inspected, which they have not done? Was it 20 years? I think I missed that somehow. And, and I each, they're supposed to examine the internals of each reactor vessel every 10 years. And that not only includes taking out a sample like I talked about, but also um, doing an ultrasound examination of the inside. None of those have been done for since 20, um, I mean, 2002. Wow. Thank you so much for that information. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Um, thank you, Mimi. And anything you, you want to add, Harvey and Linda? Well, one thing people should know, this embrittlement issue is, is all across the industry. What happens is if you have a reactor pressure vessel that holds the nuclear, con contains the nuclear reaction, it's a big uh, cylinder, but the metals are, are subjected to heat, pressure, and radiation over the decades, and they, they lose their resilience. And as Linda explains, if God forbid you have an accident, they pour in water, the reactor pressure vessel will shatter like glass, and you'll have a release of steam, hydrogen and possibly even nuclear fission, which we might have had at Fukushima Unit 3. And, and so, you know, and there's certain, this has happened. And I will say that the Nuclear Regulatory Commission was forced uh, politically by Congress in 1992 to permanently shut the Yankee Row reactor when they were challenged on embrittlement. I actually testified at that congressional hearing and they were challenged on embrittlement and the company either couldn't or wouldn't do the test and just never reopen. And that's what we're hoping will happen at Diablo Canyon when they shut down for refueling. They shut for refueling generally every 18 months, they take out about a third of the fuel, 
but they have to be down around 50 days. And that's the window we're looking at in October or November. Thank you, Harvey, for all of that detailed information. Tom Wells, please, un, uh, please unmute. Yes, I see all the problems that we have and all the problems have a single source. The reason that Newsom and the highly democratic California legislature fails to do anything of human value is that corporate money rules ever since 76. And the Supreme Court has taken great pains, pains to us to demonstrate that they will either govern us or we will throw them out. Article one, section three says, judges shall serve on good behavior and passing obviously unconstitutional precedents from the to McDonald in 2017, precludes any systematic success. We have to have systematic success to address climate at the scale and time frame that is required. Does this elicit any comment? Uh, thank you, uh, Tom. Um, Linda, why don't you go? You know, the we can deploy, what, what, we could, if you read Mark Jacobson uh, from Stanford, if you read his work, he says right now we are prepared, fully prepared to um, go completely uh, renewable in California uh, using the battery backup that we need. Um, and we're, I think what we're doing is, I think you're exactly spot on about the corporate rule. And the problem with the uh, our rooftop solar is that it um, puts stabs a needle into the heart of corporate rule, and so uh, we they don't they don't want to democratize much of anything. But that's up to us, I think. And I I feel I, I really feel like it's now or never, not just for Diablo Canyon, but for our world. We we cannot allow this to happen. We just, we have to do everything in our own, each of our own individual power, whatever that power might be. We have to take hold of that and give it our all right now, because this is it. We're, we're at the... We're at the, <laughs> the turning point. And I wanna point out that- both the law and the economic realities are on our side. I mean, that's the huge wind beneath our wings in the solar movement, the anti-nuclear movement for the past 50 years is that renewables has blown away um, uh, coal, oil, nukes, and gas. And we stand that way in California. As I said, we have 70,000 people working in solar in California in 1800 at the nuclear plant. And God knows what Newsom's real motive is here. But the other thing is Linda pointed out is we have the law on our side. They're breaking the law at, at, at Diablo Canyon. They're required to do this test. They're required to follow the law in the relicensing re process. And they're just completely blowing it off. It, it, you know, we progressives uh, have always felt like we're swimming upstream when it comes to law and economics, but that California would be an infinitely richer place if we were 100% renewable. And you're going to see what's happening, going to happen with Germany. 
because they shut their, their Germany is not exactly a hippie farm. I mean, they shut their nukes. They knew exactly what they're doing. They're phasing out coal. They know exactly what they're doing. They're going in 100% renewable and they will lead the world. And, and, and you know, and California could be right with them. Uh, so we are advocating for uh, uh, de social democracy, economic democracy, and total prosperity in everything we're saying here. And, there, and when you ever hear somebody say, they, well, they in favor nuclear power, say which plants? Which, do you favor Davis Bessie where they, where they had the boric acid? Do you favor Perry, which has been twice hit by earthquakes in Ohio? Do you favor South Texas where the intake pipes froze? Do you favor Diablo Canyon, which is surrounded by earthquake faults? Which nuclear plants do you su support? And what, tell us which ones have insurance, and then we can have a discussion. So there you go. Um, uh, 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 I don't know what happened to Alan here. Uh, Mary Jane, do you wanna, uh, uh, should we unmute you? Uh, oh, Alan, you have your hand up. Oh, okay. So uh, be sure and- Can you hear know. me? Yeah, 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 go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, I wanted to bring up the topic that we don't wanna talk about. Of course, everything you you guys have said is absolutely true and I'm, I've been working on it for 40 years myself. I'm from Massachusetts, like you used to be, Harvey. Right. We both we both given it up for the heat. I'm in Florida. Anyway, uh, we we have to admit that even if you get what you want and they close that damn plant, uh, what are we going to do without waste? As you know, the fuel rods will still be sitting there, and there is no place to put it. And I, what well, can we? Course. Well, as Jim and Mary Beth's wonderful film, uh, San Onofre Syndrome shows, I mean, the first thing you have to do with the nuclear waste is stop producing it. Right. And it's the first thing we have to do. You know, right. it's like, you in a hole, you stop digging. And, right. um, you know, once we stop producing it, um, uh, then, we, then we can deal with it. Uh, but, but just remember that what we're doing in stopping nuclear power is, is essential for the environment. It's essential for the economy. If we wanted to improve our economy and had only a focus on improving the economy and didn't care about nuclear waste or about the environment, the number one thing we do would be to shift to renewable energy. That's number one. Right. Uh, but you're, you're right. Um, and um, probably should see the film San Onofre Syndrome to figure out what we're gonna do with the waste. Nobody has an easy answer. My answer is it should go to two places. It should go to the White House and Mar-a-Lago, but so far, but you have transportation issues, so it's a problem. Hey, uh, sorry, everybody, I'm back. Uh, simply my computer disconnected from my home oh, okay. Um, I believe Ron is on deck next, so um, hey, Ron. I was still connected when I said to the group that I uh, got to meet Ron in person at the at the Climate March in New York, and uh, uh, he has a lot to share that's very valuable uh, for all of us in terms of renewable energy and how to get it online. Hey, Alan. Uh, I, I enjoyed meeting you in person. And, you know, I, I mentioned to you, I met another guy in person who I haven't seen in years. And he was standing next to a bunch of people on the side, listening to speakers. And his name was Bill McKibben. Oh. And uh, it, it was great to see this guy there because he really was the guy who put the largest uh, environmental uh, march in New York City together in the last decade. 
and this march of uh, 75,000 of us on a Sunday, which was a nice day, thank goodness, uh, really proved that people understand this issue and understand it really does two things. It, it leads us to believe, because there's a lot of young people there, that there is a future to have. We have a reason to believe in the future because we know how to fix the present. And the present problem is that we're relying on basically an electrical system that was created in my father's time in the uh, late 1800s and haven't changed anything physically in this process. It's very inefficient. When you put a unit of fossil fuel into a power plant and then transfer that all the way over to the last mile, you only get 20% of that unit of electric uh, power from the uh, fossil fuel back to electricity. We waste 80% of the stack. That's nuts. We can do better than this. 100% renewable energy is possible, and we can prove it. And uh, the other little fun fact is uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, solar power probably dropped, I don't know, 50%. Well, within that six months, seven months now, it dropped 50% again. This is the cheapest it's ever been since I started in the business 50 years ago when we were selling solar panels for $7 a watt, you know, I think 20 cents a watt. This is amazing, the cost difference, the reliability difference. I saw solar panels that were in the desert in Saudi Arabia for 25 years and still working. Well, that was 25 years ago now. Those damn things are still working. There are no moving parts. This stuff just keeps on going like the ever-ready battery. And the last, the last piece of this is, let's put this in allegorical terms. My good buddy Vinny has this 1962 Ford Thunderbird. Boy, this thing is a big behemoth. When it goes down the road, you are driving, you know, uh, with a lot of weight behind you, and uh, it's going to be hard to stop. Well, that's sort of the allegory that I want to put out here. Would you be driving that 1962 Ford as a daily driver? I know he doesn't. I certainly wouldn't. That's a little bit dangerous, you know? Think of that nuclear power plant that was made in the 60s uh, being your daily driver makes no sense and it's the most expensive type of energy that you can produce in today's society it doesn't work and the new nukes which is what they want to push now forget about the big ones that we know are crazy they want to produce these little mini nukes that were 60 megawatts 80 megawatts well uh they're gonna stick them all over the place they're also more expensive than the old nukes and there's no one out there uh, to protect these little mini nukes uh, if they want to put hundreds of them out there. This is, again, a illogical way of producing power when we know how to produce it cleanly, just like they're doing on those solar roofs that Harvey talked about in California. California has 1.5 million solar roofs. Well, guess what? Australia has 3 million solar roofs, and they're producing the majority of the power in Australia. Germany, which is way north of us, I was there in 2000 uh, in the spring. Well, it's equal to Alaska and it wasn't very spring-like, but they're producing a majority of their power sometimes way over 60% of 
and renewable energy. It works. Let's use something that's reliable. It works and don't pollute anymore. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, um, one of the things that just to add from what I understand, and my understanding doesn't have as much depth as Iran's on this issue, on the very specific and very important question of, you know, renewable energy, the development of more renewable energy capacity in the United States, and again, the problem with it being still blocked off of going online in the ways that it needs to, is something that Tom Wells wrote into the chat, which is the problems the corporations have with solar is there is no profit stream. Well, there is a profit stream. My understanding is roughly half or over time in recent decades proven to be about roughly half of that of um, the extractive industries like fossil fuels. And of course, it makes sense too that uh, renewable energies is going to be much less expensive. I mean, you put something online, you put a mirror up to the sun, basically. Uh, it's a little bit more complex instrument than that. Um, but the solar panels exist. They operate to uh, generate energy. Uh, the energy that goes online, stored in batteries, but it is, does not require the continuing digging up and extraction of fossil fuels, whether it's uh, drilling for oil or digging for coal. And this has now been a, a massive stream of profit for what has, of course, become probably over the past 150 years, the single most powerful industry in the United States and in the world, really. And um, so there's a lot to fight back against that. We need to be organized. But at the, for the average household, in an era where we've seen the return of inflation, we should not be shy about saying, I mean, of course, we want these new companies to have the hope and promise of them being uh, companies that work for the people who start them and for the workers who work there. But it is not going to be the source of these just mind-boggling profits on the level of the international fossil fuel industry because the public, once they are all more familiar with it, will understand how it operates. It's not continually extractive. It's deflationary from where we are right now. And that's yeah. a very, very good word. And the public should ask, what's in it for me? Well, what's in it for me is we are seeing the highest rate increases yearly for basically dirty, uh, unreliable power. And that's also predicted to go up another 17% next year. This is craziness. We, we shouldn't be doing this. We know better. Yeah, Ron, I, I went out to New York for, I was gone under a week. And I don't know what happened out here in California, but I came back and the gas prices were about well, 80, 80 cents higher yes, per gallon. They are. They're unbelievable. Oil is predicted, which is $95 a barrel now, to exceed $100 again very soon. Well, right, how we do not need any of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we're switching to electric cars. Electric cars have, you know, so few moving parts. Um, uh, and one thing, I think the biggest problem we face politically in California is that the solar industry is not unionized. And uh, that is a very big piece of the puzzle for progressives. If the, if the 70,000 solar workers in California were in one big union, we, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Yeah, it would, I mean, it would you know, definitely help. The, for sure. yeah. the, solar, <laughs> the solar industry needs to be uh, uh, progressivized, let's put it that way. The good news here is that the IRA, the Infrastructure Restructuring Act, requires that any large solar project, like five megawatts or so, has to be either prevailing wage or union labor. Mm -hmm. the labor. That is the law. That is the way it's going to be done from now on into the future. So... Problem solved, we know how to make it effectively in volume. We don't have problems with the parts. We don't have the problems with the technology. And we're going to pay fair 
wages. Hey, thank you um, both of you, of course, and thank you so much, Ron, for joining us. Dorothy Reich has been Good patient, and, uh, and on to Dorothy. I was gonna um, mention these mini nuclear plants. There was, an, there was a bill in California last year, and it didn't, it didn't make it. Uh, but they're going to have another one. And then a couple of our, our friends, Brian Schatz and uh, Sheldon Whitehouse, are big supporters of this nuclear. The other thing is that, and the union is very important. Union is, I've been saying this for years. I mean, that's what why everybody's fighting. You know, the labor unions are fighting solar because of, uh, because it's not unionized. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Well, the um, mini nukes, by the way, the mini nukes can't come online, even in a best, for them, best circumstances, five to 10 years minimum. So they're going to have- still, they keep pushing them. Oh, the yeah. other thing, I can maybe forget again what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, the CPUC here in California. I talked to Ben Allen about getting a bill so that the CPUC appointments have to be approved by the legislature some way, because um, a big part of our problem is that Gavin Newsom is appointing all these people to the CPUC who hate solar. They're killing rooftop solar. They're doing everything they can. They're in the pocket of PG&E and the oil companies. And he's getting away with it. And I don't think we can get him to sign legislation, but hopefully the next governor will be willing to sign that legislation. And we won't have uh, this problem with the governors being able to say, well, I didn't do it. It was the CPUC. Well, guess who appointed the CPUC? You did. Yeah, no, the, the 2026 California gubernatorial election um, is something that I know that California, uh, PDA California, PDA activists like Dorothy Reich, I, I'm, of course, a uh, resident of California, uh, voter in California. Uh, I'll certainly be involved, uh, though not directly as the executive director of the federal PAC. Um, and it's a very, very important election. And I know that, uh, by the way, for people who don't know and aren't familiar with in California, we're a big enough force out here that, you know, the, the top candidates will uh, be very covetous of our endorsement. And, um, of course, we have something of a dialogue going with uh, some of the prospective candidates in that race who are progressive, you know, sort of uh, not maybe Bernie Sanders progressive, because I don't think yet anybody has uh, tipped their hat that they'll jump into the race who has that profile. Um, and for, by the way, for people who have never made the connection, uh, California's got a great, you know, set of progressives in its, uh, um, you know, congressional caucus from California, the largest uh, state uh, representative uh, by 52 members in the House. But none of the squad members are from California. Um, you know, Barbara Lee, Katie Porter, Ro Khanna are all sort of like uh, squad adjacent, but not on the far left of the party. And so, um, you know, we got some makeup ground in that regard here. And it does have to do with the power of the, this is like a one-party state now. So, of course, the corporate forces really try to get as much influence as they can inside the Democratic Party. But that election is going to be huge. And we have to get in dialogue with all of the viable candidates. Because, again, with the fifth largest economy in the world, as Harvey said, the things that we can do in California can change not just California, but the whole country and the world. And um, Gavin Newsom... You know, he's going to be the governor until then, uh, unless something uh, unforeseen occurs. Um, but that's a really huge election on you know, single payer in California and on so many green issues and economic issues. We really have to be very engaged in that election. I um, absolutely believe Gavin Newsom is just waiting for, for Biden to fall off his bicycle again. 
<laughs> he'll be in, you know, because he's yeah, so, doing so, a lot of stuff and he's vetoed a couple of bills that that he wouldn't veto for California. He vetoed one where parents don't judges don't have to consider whether a parent supports his child's gender identity when deciding who gets custody in a divorce. And uh, one other and, and, and that he vetoed a bill to, to mandate that human beings be in these uh, semi trucks. They, they now can be fully uh, automated mm. on our highways, big 18 wheelers. So I, mean, I don't know why that's not a California veto. That's a veto for for the for the country. Yeah, no, and I think what you're you're saying is correct. Uh, there's just the added phrase when you wrote in the chat that Gavin Newsom is running for president in 2024. He is running for president in 2024 because he's doing it uh, if this one condition is met that hasn't been met yet, but could be met, which is that Biden would drop out. Uh, but if you're if anybody's paying attention to him and what he's doing and why he's so going all across the country and sending targeted advertisement into um, other states, it's very clear that that is you are correct in what you're saying, Dorothy. Okay, well, enough on California and Gavin Newsom. Thank you, Dorothy. And um, let's go to Mike Hirsch and then final comments from Linda and Harvey. And that'll be it for our town hall uh, for today. We've been, thanks a lot. We've been um, talking about solar power and radioactive power, but the power that I really like is knowledge. Knowledge is power. And we were just fired up with a whole lot of very important knowledge. Now the question is, what are we going to do with it? And I'd like to call out everybody here to please join the PDA call. We're going to talk about climate and energy on Tuesday. We're also going to be having the liaison program get to work and keep working on climate policy. It's great that we're meeting here. It's great that we're talking to each other and sharing knowledge. But now that we have this knowledge power, let's put that power to, to use. Let's influence President Biden. Let's influence the Congress. Let's not leave our power here on the sidelines. Let's get in the game, get it done. I'm going to drop the link right now. Please sign up for the Congressional Liaison Program. Please sign up for the call and then let us know in the chat that you've done it. Thank you so much, Mike. And, uh, and uh, let's go first to Linda Seeley and then Harvey Wasserman for final thoughts. And thank you so much, Linda, for joining us. It's really great to have you with us. Well, thank you for inviting me to come. Um, we, you know, up here in San Luis Obispo, well, we don't get a lot of chance to speak with people uh, in the LA area. And I, I think, I don't know where where everybody's from, but there have been a lot of people who are not even in the LA area that I've heard today. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate this diversity that of location that um, is here today. Um, we, I know we can do this. If you can, the, this petition is a well-written petition. You can read it. We're sending it to the NRC we're send, and we're sending it to Gavin Newsom and to the state legislature in California. And we're following up with the state legislators individually on it. So we're, we're this is a big effort. We need to build large numbers of people and make sure that that our legislators and our governor and the NRC, that they know that we are not going to put up with living in this kind of absolute danger that we're living in right now for an, an 
unnecessary, outdated, completely like 1962 exactly mode of um, getting energy to the grid. It's ridiculous. So thanks everybody. Thank Very you so much. Thank you so much, Linda Seeley. And Linda is, uh, I believe, properly holds the title of the Vice President of Mothers for Peace. Thank you for everything you do, Linda. And Harvey, your your final thoughts for the day. Uh, well, just remember that we can win this. We 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 stop nine hundred nukes from being built. Half the nukes that were ordered in this country have been canceled, uh, stopped in the middle of construction. Uh, the latest is a nine billion dollar fiasco in South Carolina that they wasted on a nuclear plant that will never operate. But this is this is uh, the the turning point, as Linda has said. Diablo Canyon cannot be allowed to continue. We have the solar uh, uh, resources to completely power California cheaply, safely, cleanly. We've got to unionize the solar industry, and we've got we've got to uh, take it to to Gavin Newsom. Mothersforpeace.org. You can write me directly, Solartopia at gmail.org. You can also join the great Mike Hershazar, um, one of our moderators on our Monday calls, Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition. Uh, co contact me, write me directly, solartopia at gmail, and I will send you the link to that. Alan, you're a real prince for having us on. We appreciate it. Uh, we love these calls. Uh, you guys are really, really great. But remember, we're used to winning. We won in the Civil Rights Movement. We won in the Vietnam War Movement. We won so many other victories. This is one that we got to do right now, and we can definitely do it, as Ron Leonard has shown in, in an industry that he helped build. So whenever somebody tells you they're in favor of nuclear power, <laughs> you say, which reactors are you in favor of? And which ones have insurance? Which ones aren't going to blow up? Uh, come on, people. Come on, Bill McKibben and all you others. And we, there's no reason, for, no excuse for supporting nuclear power. If you don't know the insides of all these reactors the way we know Diablo Canyon, then you have no business supporting any atomic reactor. So join us, please. We need to win this in the next couple of months. And by the way, any of you who are members of KPFK Radio in uh, Los Angeles, please vote for me and for the New Day Coalition. We're, we have one more week on that election. Email me about that, too. Thank you, Alan. You're great. Thank you. And that would be also for people who live in Houston, uh, in the Bay Area, and uh, New York and D.C., where there's where the five main Pacific stations are that that election closes out on Saturday, September 30th. Well, look, I want to thank Harvey Wasserman. Uh, and uh, I want to thank Linda Seeley. And I want to thank uh, our two filmmakers who joined us, whose name was I do not have in front of me. Their film is called The Mary Beth. Yes, that's right. Um, um, Mary Beth. Brangan and Jim, I there Jim we go. thank you. And yeah, their film, and Lisa Smithline, I want to thank, who was unable to join us because of a family matter right now. Uh, by the way, for everybody who is a, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know, I say it the way that the Jews say these things. So anybody who's an observant Jew, um, of course, it's Yom Kippur at sundown. So um, uh, that's, of course, a very serious high holiday uh, time of reflection always good for people to take time out for reflection um and uh so there's that if people are unaware that's uh starting very soon and very very soon for people who are on the east coast um and i want to thank uh of course um uh emma claire foley 
from roots action in diffuse nuclear war. Please check out the events around diffuse nuclear war. And, uh, you know, also do what you can to, you know, make statements online, on social media, wherever you are, you know, calling for and, and, and adding on support for, uh, you know, addressing nuclear proliferation. These are dangerous times. As we talked about, the climate emergency is not going to make it any safer in terms of geopolitical and international conflagrations, let alone the, the fear that, you know, we could get in a situation where they can't track the weapons that do exist like they need to. These things need to be eliminated, and PDA has always stood for that. We also have always stood against nuclear power. It's a little sad, by the way, to see in the chat the the I, I was aware of it, the things with Bill McKibben. Um, I think the thing we have on our side, and I'm sorry, I should just close this out and go to family time. Everybody should stick around for family time. But for people who don't know, you know, the big ally, when you see people like James Hansen and Bill McKibben start hedging, I don't know why they're doing it, is that they, these things are not getting invested in. And uh, you know, so let's let's Keep the energy up. Let's shut the uh, any any drive to create new new nuclear power plants uh, down, and uh, let's continue to support PDA. We're going to go to family time. With Susan Keeper will be first to speak uh, on family time, and join us next week again for our next PDA town hall.